Join me in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, Father. I thank you for the family that you've brought together for your purpose, Father. And I thank you for the grace that you give us. I thank you that you've given us all another day to breathe, another day to live in your grace and your love, another day to show people the love that you have for them, Father. Lord, I lift up this morning, Father, your message that you have for us, Father. Even though I'm speaking something and i got a direction, but you've got a message for each and every one of us, Father, and we know and honor you in that, Father. Lord, I pray for that hedge of protection this morning, that you keep our hearts and our minds focused on you. Don't let the enemy steal that from us. Father, I thank you most of all for your love. Lord, I pray this morning that nothing comes from me that's not from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, have mercy. I've got five children. Three girls, two boys. The girls are the bookends. It's kind of every other one. And I'm learning a lot as my oldest is graduating this year. And uh, we, we homeschool, but we do some co-op stuff. So they get to go out and get with the crowds and, and do all that fun high school stuff. I actually went to uh, um, a graduation night at uh, Universal Studios, which kept me there from... 4 p.m. to like 2 a.m. And I learned how old I'm getting. <laughs> Park full of 18 and 19-year-olds. <clears throat> Good times by all. But, you know, I learn a lot from my kids. My two-year-old. Love my two-year-old. There's not drama except for every three minutes. Right? I mean, something is going wrong every three minutes. She's watching a tablet, and YouTube has to throw up a commercial. Opens up her box, screaming. Just wait five seconds. Your show will be back, I promise. That need for gratitude, right? That need for connection. It's huge. Learn a lot from my eldest daughter who gets to get in fights a little bit. Not physical fights, but, you know, men and women fight differently. Amen? Amen. We fight differently. And so having daughters, I'm learning that, you know. Um... She got in a little scuffle with some people, and they did their thing, and I'm trying to analyze it, and I'm trying to help her through it, and, you know, as Christians, how we approach it, and walking her through those steps, and, oh, yeah, Dad, I got it, and she did what she had, she did some hard stuff. I mean, I'm proud of her for 18, but I can tell that it hasn't let go yet. It's still bothering her, and there's still a little bit of problem in the relationship, but she can't move on past it. Uh, man, what in the world is going on? And then I come across, as I'm preparing a, a message for this week, I come across Miss Brown. Miss Brown um, was working on her PhD in uh, uh, social services. And so she was doing a research project, and she said, you know, having all these years in social services, one of the things that we know a lot about that people want is connection. And we know it's beyond just our desire. There's an actual physiological thing that happens in our brains and stuff when we get connected. And so we're looking for that, and so she was going to analyze what it takes to have that perfect kind of connection, how to help people get through that, right? Because that's what research does, is we, we study these things, and then we tell you how to change this over here to make the outcome more. And so as the way she does this is she takes in stories, and she says, all right, tell me about, you know, kind of like your greatest love, or your greatest this, your greatest that. And she said, what I got was stories about the greatest time I wasn't loved, or the greatest time I wasn't included, And so her research started to change because she realized that the thing that was kind of keeping people away from this connection that we all desire was 
shame. Shame. And shame is this idea that I'm going to be rejected if you know who I am. Right? You go back to my little preschool days or uh, younger days, elementary days, you're standing on a kickball field and you're trying to divide up teams and people are picking. Right? You kind of start to hide things, right? Because you don't want to know how weak I am at kickball or you're not going to, I'm going to be the last one picked. Right? It doesn't change through our entire life. Even though my daughter is dealing with it, you know, at, at her age, at 18, 19, my two-year-old deals with it all the time, every minute, just about, right? I'm not being connected to the Internet. I mean, it's a thing. I saw a headline, teenager survives eight hours not connected to the Internet. It's a big deal now. But think about what they're connected to. They're connected to what? Facebook, Twitter. And why are they connected to Facebook and Twitter? Because they're watching and tracking their friends. And they want to share with their friends instantly what's going on so that what? We can have a connection. It's an addiction. It really is. But it's the way God designed us to be connected, to have that desire for connection. The funny thing is, is that desire is also what cripples us because shame and our fear of being vulnerable. Right? Because if you truly knew me, you wouldn't let me up here and speak. Right? Or sometimes it gets into our husband and wife relationships. If you truly knew how I was, I'm not going to tell you. That. I'm going to keep that part of my life shut down because you wouldn't accept me. This message revolutionized my Christianity, I'm telling you. So hang in there with me. Don't go to sleep. Hang in there with me today. Because I'm telling you, if you can get a piece of the Holy Spirit to grasp this in your heart... It will change your walk. It will change your life. But only He can do it. I can't. All I ask is stay awake. Okay? Um, Connection. The Bible knows this. God knows that. So He spoke through His people in Scripture on on this very thing. And you're like, man, I never read those words. Well, you have read these words. And then you just got to get pointed out to you. So... Uh, at my church, my guys like for me to preach through the Bible. So I pick a, or they pick, or they help me pick, or whatever. We pick a book, and we'll start, and we'll just march through it. At first, I was a little nervous about that idea, because, man, how do I make sure that connects to people, and it's relevant now, you know? Because a lot of times, I like to just, you know, more like Tony, when I started out with, was, let's, what's God put it on my heart this week, right? And so they wanted that, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll give in. What I found was it was, it was nice for me, actually, because I didn't have to think as hard because I knew exactly where I was going to be next week. But when I got into it, then I had to figure out how to make that relevant. How is that scripture relevant to what's going on? And what I've discovered after a few years of doing this now is God's always got a message. Amen. God has always got a message right there where we're at, and it, it amazes me how things line up every day. So I wanted to start off somewhere, so I, I, I went with Ephesians. And then as I began to study Ephesians again and then to look at, you know, what's the book about? Who wrote it? You have all these fun arguments sometimes. So this one's pretty clear because when you write these letters, they tend to tell you, you know, who they are. So uh, Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So... That's today's age. We put up in a little corner and says, this is Roy Harding. This is my address. This is my phone number. This is how you get a hold of me. That's what that is back then when they are writing out. Hey, this is Paul. I'm going to write you a letter. 
Now, what's unique about a lot of the letters that Paul wrote to these churches, a lot of times it was addressing a specific issue that was going on within the church. Ephesians is not so much that way. Ephesians is kind of unique in that really his is about the gospel message. That whole book is pointing us to the gospel message. And so there's a little bit of debate in the first two to three chapters. We're really looking at him just praising God. And we're only going to cover 14 verses today. We're just going to look at the heart of the beginning of how he praises God. Because every good writer puts exactly what they're going to tell you in the introduction, and then they tell you all a bunch of stuff behind it, and then they tell you at the end exactly what they said they're going to tell you. That's what Paul does. He tells you everything right here when he's praising God. One of the things I want to point out um, in the first uh, verse, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. When you start to look at the New Testament as a whole, especially a lot of Paul's writings, you know, we had this, we had culture, we got things that we grow up in that we learn from, right? And so some of us have come from different backgrounds and different things, and, you know, I've been to a few different churches growing up, and one of the things we hear a lot in Christianity is, you know, ask Jesus into your heart, right, so that you can be saved. That's a common thing. Unfortunately, it's not real strong in Scripture. What is real strong in Scripture is the in Christ Jesus. It seems a little bit different, right? And it does kind of trigger a little different reality of versus Christ coming into me versus me in Christ Jesus. That's how we identify. We'll keep reading and you'll pick up on some of those nuances. So in verse 3, bless be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessings. This is his praise, his worship, right? And he's going to identify what we need to be praising God for. So it's an example of how we should praise. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, here's that in Christ again, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay? So what he's saying is, man, we are blessed. We are taken care of. We are fortunate that we are in Christ Jesus. So who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to Christians. Not unbelievers, but he's speaking to Christians right now. We're blessed because we're in Christ Jesus. We're with Him, right? And then there's this thing in the heavenly places. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Sometimes when we read in there, kind of like, man, Paul does get a little confusing sometimes. And like, heavenly, we start thinking like afterlife heaven, right? That's not what he's talking about here. But he's talking about heavenly places. He's talking about the spiritual world that's going on. The battle that's here and now. Everything about the New Testament, really, the bulk of it, is about being in Christ now. It's not about afterlife. It's now and what we're supposed to be doing now, right? So we're blessed in the heavenly places. Because we're in Christ Jesus, there are things that are going on around us that he's protecting us from, he's taking care of us from, that he's in a battle before us from, okay? All right. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Of the world. Let me slow that down for you. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, he chose you before the foundation of the world. 
then it's hard for us to grasp, right? Because we live in our own world of, I ain't good enough. Right? That's why we have a hard problem with connecting with people, because I don't want to let anybody in. I don't want you to see all of me. So I, I stay in this beat-up world. And guess what? That carries over in our relationship with Christ and everything else. And so as we stay in this, I'm not good enough. If God actually knew everything about me, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we kind of know that, but we don't know that, right? We still have this inner thing. I'm not worthy. I mean, look at Moses. Go back and tell your people, well, who am I to go? Why are you sitting at me? Who do I say? These people aren't going to like me. They saw me kill somebody. They're not going to listen to me. Right? It's not new. It's not going to change. It's not going to be different. And I wish I could tell you that the battle is going to be over with once you hear the message today. The battle will always be there. But what you've got to do is be reminded, and that's what Scripture does, is continue to remind us who we are. And so in this instance, when we know that God knows the future, the past, present, and we know that in Genesis he talks about Holy Spirit being there, brooding over the waters. Let us make man in our image. You know Jesus is there. And while he's doing all this, these guys, or God, the Trinity, they know what it's going to cost when they create the world. They know what it's going to cost. Jesus knows what he's going to have to do. And he says, okay, let's create anyway. Let's create anyway. He chose you before creating the world. He chose you knowing what he's going to have to do. He said, you are worthy. You are worth dying for. You are worth being separated from my Father for. Think about that. I don't care what you've done. You can't do anything good enough for me. Scripture tells us that your good deeds are like filthy rags. Right? You can't do anything to earn this. And you know in your heart that, man, I am short. Right? Right? And so we hold back a lot of times. And God said, listen, no, no, no. Before the foundation of the world, I already chose you. You can't do anything that I ain't going to be surprised about. Amen. I already know what you've done. I already know what you're going to do. You're not going to surprise me. And I said, I love you enough that I'm going to form you in your mother's womb. I'm going to bring you into this world. Amen? The hardest thing for us the hardest thing for us is for us to forgive ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves for our past. We like to say, you know what, I'm not worthy. And who else gets to tell you that? The demon grabs a hold of you. Satan grabs a hold of you, right? Because he needs to shut you up. He needs to shut you up. Unbelievers, he's won right now. Where's the battle? It's in the church. I need to keep you quiet. So I'm going to remind you of these things that you've done. You're not worthy enough to speak. You're not worthy enough to talk. You're not worthy enough to be in a relationship. And when we start to say that and we start to believe that, guess what? It ain't just the Bible that says that. Research says that. As Miss Brown put her research together and she put the stories together and she started to look at it and she started to ask more questions, the people that were whole, that had good connections and could handle it, they were more vulnerable. Why were they more vulnerable? Because they knew they were worth it. They knew they had value. So the secret, the secret to connectivity and being vulnerable is to know that you are valued. 
No, does that mean everybody you talk to and you're vulnerable to is going to accept you in and connect with you? No, not at all. But what changes is, is your value is not into how they accept you, right? Because you know you're already loved, right? So we got to know where we're rooted at for our connectivity. Our connection is in Christ Jesus, who has blessed us with every blessing that I need. My joy and my peace and my things come from Him. Not from my connections that I'm trying to make this way. And when we haven't forgiven ourselves and we haven't grabbed onto that connection of being in Christ, what do we do? We have a physiological need to be in connection. So we hold on to the things that we've had. Right? We've hold on to the relationships that we've had. Some of those people don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's going to church. Amen. Right? Yeah. And so what do we do? We don't want to be vulnerable, so we... I'm not going to talk about my church. Right? Because I still need that acceptance in that community. I need that acceptance in that family. I need that acceptance in that. So I'm going to, I'm going to step back and just kind of keep that in the box over here. What happens is now you're not being used by what God called you to do. So what's the secret? We've got to be vulnerable. We've got to be willing to say, man, you know, God loves me enough that he says these things. And be ready to be rejected by people. But the only way we can be ready to be rejected by people is to have our connection with God established. Because we wouldn't be able to handle the darts being ripped apart by other people. They are. Because Jesus told us they are. Amen? Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Whoa. Hold your horses. Even as He chose Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. There's an expectation of being in Christ Jesus. See, this is the difference between Him and me and me and Him. If He's in me, then He's kind of hanging out and I'm trying to do stuff. If I'm in Him and I'm going to remain in Him... He's king and there's an expectation. There's an expectation of me to do his will. What's his will? Paul's going to tell us. He's praise. His will is that none shall perish. Right. He sent his son for the whole world. None shall perish. That's his will. I have a plan for you. I chose you before the world was created to do what? To be blameless and holy. Because in me, in me, there's an expectation. Right? We'll keep going because this is, I can't stop in the middle because then I'll be preaching ahead of myself. Because there's a lot in here. Alright. Blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Alright. In love, he predestined us. Now we get into these fun theological terms where people want to start fussing and fighting about you know, if we're chosen or not chosen and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's important when you read Scripture and you're trying to decipher what's going on, it's important to keep everything in context. This was written for a time and a place and a people and a person. Words mean certain things to them that are going to mean different to us. Okay? And when you put this in context, this is not, oh, God chooses certain people and he's going to let some people go. Okay? Not in context here. In context here, same thing as talking about the elect. It's that, remember, he's preaching to people who are in Jesus. So being in Jesus, you are part of the elect. You have been called out 
of a group of people to be a representation. Remember, he chose who? What people did he choose? It's obvious. He, he chose, but he chose his people was the Jews, right? And then my plan all along is to be able to adopt us Gentiles into the people that he's chosen. So his group of people who believe are chosen out. They're predestined. They're a group of people out that have a purpose to what? Be blameless in love inside joy. To be that light. Right? So don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate. Don't listen to people who want to overcomplicate this one either. All right? So he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Your will? His will. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. You can't out God's grace. You can't out His love. You can't out His calling in your life. You hear me? Don't listen to the enemy. You are loved. You are cherished. You are valued. You have a purpose. And you're connected in Christ Jesus. According to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us and the beloved, in Him we have... What's that? Redemption. Say again. Redemption. Redemption. What does that word mean? Yeah, see, it's one of those words. Different for us, different for them. Very clear for them. Very, very clear for them. Redemption for them is when the family comes and buys their family out of slavery. That's redemption. There's a cost. I'm redeeming the debt that you owe. Right? Because then there's a lot of slavery that was, I can't afford it. I borrow money, borrow money, borrow money. I can't do it. Now I'm going to send my child. I'm going to send dad. I'm going to send whatever. And they're going to be a servant. They're going to be a slave servant because of the debt they have. I can redeem them by purchasing it back. Right? We also have the word redemption used in the Old Testament. When land was redeemed back. Bought that land back. Let me go back to Boaz and Naomi. Okay? So redemption means there was a cost. Jesus bought you at a price. It's not, don't worry about your sins, it's okay. Don't worry about it, I forgive you. No, it's, I'm going to pay for your sins for you. I'm going to buy you back. Big difference. Big difference. Okay? So in him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He didn't just go, okay, I like to pick on songs every now and then, Crazy Love, right? When you look at that song, Crazy Love, that's out there, it seems like it's you know, this reckless love that kind of goes out. no. Scripture says, in all his wisdom, he passed out his love. It's not a blind thing. He knows what it's cost. He knows your sins. He's just not reckless about it. He says, I want you. By the way, I know every hair on your head. I know every hair on your head. It's a little easier to count. <laughs> right? But he says, Don't you Yeah, no. <laughs> but he says, I love you, and I've counted the cost, right? I know exactly. It's not reckless. It's not without abandon. He knows exactly what you cost him. And 
He created you anyway. Right? All right. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. So he's telling us, what's the mystery of my will? That everybody, Gentiles, Jews, everybody, I want them all. That's the big mystery at the time. Of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to until all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There we go. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. His will. He works all things. To what? His will. That's difficult for us, right? When we pray, we we want that jackpot thing, right? This is what I want to pray about. I want all sevens every time I hit it. Right? There's a country singer who put a really good song. Thanks for unanswered prayers. Right. Because I don't know everything. I think this is the best thing for me. I think I need all three sevens this time that I asked for. But the Bible says he doesn't do that. The Bible says he does it according to his his will. That's tough. It's tough sometimes to be in the valley and go, man, why are you beating me up? Why aren't you listening to me? If I'm your adopted son, right, why? I think, one, it's okay to question. I think God's big enough to handle your question. Okay? But two, sometimes we just got to walk through that valley in faith. Right? That it's the best thing for His will. It's the best thing, whether it's molding me, whether it's the best thing for people around me to see me walk through this valley. Whatever it is, I'm going to guarantee you He's not going to waste one drop of His Son's blood. And if He lets me have my will, it's going to get wasted because I'm not perfect and I don't know. Right? So sometimes when we're in the valley, it's... Man, I don't know why. Life sucks at the moment. But I know it's according to His will and His purpose is going to be sought in spite of whatever I want. Right? And sometimes that's all we need to carry us through. Because He's already blessed us enough, right? In Him, let's see, where am I at? Close to His will. Boop, 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 boop. All right, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So he said, those who first chose and elect people were the Jews, and he's praising God in the fact that he's chosen the Gentiles as well. And how does he know that he's chosen the Gentiles? How do they know? It's because the Holy Spirit was gifted to the Gentiles. Peter and Paul saw it for them, their own face. Right? What's a seal? That's that stamp that you know who it came from. Right? Each, each person, each ruler had their own little seal, their own little marking. It was unique to them. Matter of fact, just recently, the Bible was proved right again. Through an archaeological dig, there was a, a, a particular king of the Jews or one of these kings that um, is only mentioned in history and Bible. They haven't found it anywhere else. Uh, 
And lo and behold, they come across recently a, a seal of one of his people with his name on it. So now we have the first archaeological, anything outside of Scripture, talking about this king that existed. Proven right again. But that seal says, who's it from? Right? And so as a Gentile, you know your faith. You know that you are who you are because I've given you the Holy Spirit to help you walk through this. I've stamped you with my seal. That's how you know. That's how you know. But we go back to this connection problem, this, this desire to be connected with people. If we don't realize where our worth is, it's not in, my worth is not in my relationships this way. It's not in a relationship with my dad. It's not in a relationship with my wife. My worth is in my relationship in Christ because he said, not because of something I did, because he said, I'd known you before the foundation of the world. I know how much you're going to sin. I know how much it's going to cost me. I know how much... And I'm going to create anyway, I'm going to create you anyway. As David said, he formed me in my mama's womb. He intimately touched you in your mama's womb. And said, I love you enough that you can't outsend my grace. When we grab our value from that and we grab our worthiness from that, guess what? And then we begin centered. And then we can do what? We can be more vulnerable. And the more vulnerable we are, the more we realize the real relationships of people who want to be connected to us. It's not a facade. It's not fake. And the less vulnerable we are, the more we know the relationship we're involved in is fake. And so what are we going to do? We don't want to feel that fakeness. Right? And you know how I know this? It's because any time in history right now, we, especially in this culture, are the ones that are addicted to numbing that feeling. Whether it's through debt, whether it's through drugs, whether it's through alcohol, whether it's fear of getting in another relationship, some have multiple relationships, so if you don't like me this week, I can find this one over here. Right? We become numb to it, whether we eat. Preaching to the choir. If I want to eat my emotions... We do it because we want to be numb. But you know what also happens is we can't just selectively numb emotions. We can't selectively numb the ones that don't feel good. What happens is we start to numb what? Joy and peace. We don't have that. What's the secret? The Bible tells us. I loved you enough. You are worthy. Guess what? The researcher outside of God, you know how I know they're outside of God? Because they have a weird ending to it. Don't watch the dead thing. But... Outside of God, they can see it physiologically how this works. And they can study and they can look. For six years, she's collected stories from people and put them together and analyzed them and looked at them. And he says, you know what? The people that are grounded are the ones that know that they're worth something. And what does the Bible tell you over and over and over and over again is that you're worth everything. Not something, but you're worth everything. You're worth everything. And so somebody who loves you enough, who did everything for you, says, serve people like I serve people. Remember that? It's at the Last Supper. Coming in, he's washing their feet. Serve people the way I served you. How did he serve us? By going to the cross. 
in me. Go to the cross. Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. I think the biggest sin for raising children is not telling them my sins. Guys, don't do it like me. I messed up here and I messed up here and I messed up here. Learn from my mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not raising perfect children. I don't expect you to be at Yale. (laughs) What I'm raising is God loves you before the foundation of the world. And that's hard as a daddy, right? Because I think I know what my children need. You know, recently I was given an opportunity. Part of this graduation stuff my daughter's doing, we had a, uh, what they call these, a brunch. And typically they would have a speaker at the brunch, and so they invite their parents and their grandparents and all that stuff. And so we're sitting at a table, and this year they decided to let somebody at the table talk. And so since I talk a lot, I was elected. The problem is, I'm a pastor, and they gave you 45 seconds. 45 seconds. And the funny thing is, is my wife never really gave me the real directions of what this is. What's this, you know, what am I supposed to be saying in this 45 seconds, you know? And so I just, you know, winging a prayer, right? A lot of praying, 45 seconds. And so I looked at my daughter. We're about halfway through, and I'm listening to what other people are saying and stuff. So I looked at my daughter, and I said, I'm going to start crying, y'all. Don't make fun of me. I still, man, I said, well done. Well done. So I'm going to give you one more piece of advice, and you can hold me to this one. So I don't want you to make decisions on any of the rest of the advice I give you or any of the rest of the advice that these grandparents give you at this table or your mama gives you or the advice that you're going to hear in college. Lord knows, stay away from them. <laughs> but this is what I'm going to tell you is that you have chosen to be in Christ. You have chosen a king who's got a plan for your life. Do that. Do that. And let me tell you something. I can't imagine being the father of Moses or David. Right? Amen? What do you mean you're going to go out there and flay? What? What? Get your butt home and start cooking dinner or something. Send you to war? But God asks us all the time to do what's impossible. Why? Because he's honored. And so he's going to ask my daughter to do stuff that I'm going to go, you've lost your mind. And honey, you have the right to say, hey, dad, remember when? As long as you're right and you're walking, you can say, dad, remember when? And I will fall on my knees and I will pray for you and I'll do everything I can to support you scared to death because I'm human. So my message for you today is don't be afraid to be vulnerable because God has valued you Above his son. Hear that? He valued you above his son. He said, you're worth everything. And guess what? I raised my son from the dead. I'm going to raise you from the dead too. Because I raised my son from the dead. You know that, Paul says. Peter says. He said, I've got a purpose for your life. Don't live afraid of not being connected. You're already connected to everything you need. And I will supply everything you need. Amen? Does that mean it's going to be perfect and it's going to feel good? No. Jesus shed some tears. He spent a lot of time on his knees, didn't he? But we know we'll get through it. 
and He has a plan to be according to His will so that more will know Him. Amen? Let's pray. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, I thank You so much that You have stamped us with that seal. You have given us the Holy Spirit. Father, thank You and forgive me for the times I didn't want that Holy Spirit. I didn't want Him calling me out. They're calling me closer. But thank you for your presence, Father. Thank you for loving me before the foundation of the world. For loving me before I sin. For loving me after I sin. For loving me even though the sins that you know I'm going to make. That your grace is bigger. That your purpose and your will is bigger than anything I can do. Father, I pray more than anything. Forgive us for our lack of faith. And Lord, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for you to strengthen our faith in you. Those moments that we're weak, Father, remind us of how worthy we are. Remind us of that seal that's on us. Remind us that we don't have to have the words that the Holy Spirit's going to give them to us. Father, I ask for healed wounds. Father, I ask for help (laughs) and overcoming those connections that we so desperately want, Father, but may not happen because of our love for you. Help us to be vulnerable, Father, in those situations. Help us to love beyond our own understanding. Help us to see people through your eyes. Help us to put all of our faith, all of our joy, all of our peace where it belongs, and that's on you. Lord, we don't need anything from this world. This world, in fact, is going to bring the exact opposite. Father, I thank you for that grace that you have that has inspired me. You've, you've elected. You've called us out. Because we're in his name. Father, help us heal those wounds. Help us to heal those relationships that we know we need to let go. Help us to have faith, Father, that in your timing, in your will, some of those relationships might come back. But help us to stay out of your way. Father, we don't want to see one blood drop wasted. We want to see the world to come to a saving knowledge of you. Because we know, as your word says, one day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to fess. That means some of us are going to be doing it willingly. Some of us ain't going to have a choice. And Father, we want to see more who are willing, who are excited to see that next chapter. In Jesus' name. I love you guys. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if that's the first time that's really been presented. I don't know if it's the second or third time that you've been told. I didn't get it the first time. It took a couple times for it to sink in. But I so desperately wanted to sink in of how valued you are. You don't have to go and prove anything to anybody. 
don't have to go work out your kickball skills to make sure you get picked. Right? Because you've already been chosen. And that means different things for different people, different situations, man. It could be family, it could be friends, it could be just tough relationships. You know, I have one of my people ask me one time, you know, Scripture says, or Jesus said, I've come to divide. Parents against one another, against their kids, brothers and sisters against one another. Why? Because people see that connection and they don't understand it. They get envious. They want to know how come you're whole. And sometimes that can drive us away from God too. And that resentment. And that's why it's all that much more important for us to be vulnerable to them. He says, you know what? I ain't got it all together. I ain't got this figured out. But I know I'm valued. And I know how I'm going to overcome. In Christ. Amen. And I've had fun. You guys close with singing normally? Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to sing because Paul, <laughs> everything, I'm glad you guys work with me on the fly. But we got that message out of nothing but a praise to God. Amen. So I don't see us ending on prayer. I think we're going to praise to God Amen. for the foundation that Paul recognized. And he's going to tell us all Ephesians in one little section. So let's get up here and let's do some more singing on our way out. I'm being nice. I'm not going to choose a song for y'all. Y'all do what's appropriate. <laughs>